0: to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We are back. We are two and three. We are on a one game winning streak. Let's go the Detroit Lions. Beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by the score of 34 and 16. The season is still alive. But before we get in all of that and we get ahead of ourselves and we start talking seven game win streaks, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the managing editor. Pride of Detroit, I am your adequate host, Phil and your your managing coach, whatever. We say when Chris isn't here. Um, hi, welcome to the podcast. We are here. We're going to talk Lions, Jaguars. We're going to talk the future. We're going to get into all that fun stuff. But thank you for joining us. Thank you for the live Twitch audience for joining us. Maybe those of you watching on YouTube. Um, welcome. We have fun stuff to talk about this week. We have good things. We can smile. And I know there are probably a lot of you that are angry that the Lions won. And Matt Patricia's going to be the head coach for another week. But chill. Chill. The Lions won. You should always celebrate that. And we're going to get into how they won and all that sort of stuff. But let me introduce my co-hosts for the afternoon. As always, we got Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we feeling today?
2: Uh, It's feeling like deja vu, Jeremy. It's feeling like deja vu. And I'll talk about that in in a little bit.
0: I get the feeling I know what you're talking about, but I'm I'm eager to hear more about that. Before we do, let's introduce our other co-host, Jerry Mallory is here. Jerry Mallory at Jerry Mallory NFL on Twitter. Jerry, welcome back to the show.
1: Man, this is awesome. The Lions won trip number one of two to Florida. The next one is going to be for the Super Bowl. I like
0: it. I like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Book well, it.
0: Well, bu- bu- are, you, are you booking a flight right now?
1: Yep. I bought my, body- I, Yeah, I bought my hotel already. Let's go. <laughs>
0: All right. I mean, you could have stayed with my family. My family lives down there. Could have saved you
1: some money. I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> all right. As I said, Lions 34, Jacksonville 16. We're going to do something a little different in this first segment here. We're going to go into like three takeaways. We're all going to give one of our biggest takeaways from the game. When we come back into the second segment, what, what have we officially called the second segment this time around, Ryan? It, it, it's, called, it's called penthouse or doghouse penthouse or doghouse we're going to get into some individual performances and then in segment three we're going to talk about the overarching themes what does this mean for the Lions going forward are they going to go on that seven game win streak is this just delaying the inevitable we'll get into all of that first but let's start away with our takeaways from this game and I want to throw it right to you Ryan what was your biggest takeaway from this Lions win over the Jaguars
2: My biggest takeaway from this game was that Kenny Galladay is for sure, 100% a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. (laughs) And I mean, he, he he made, he made four catches and granted one of them was on the, um, the offsides that, you know, Stafford was able to draw and they connected on that 48 yard pass that set the lions up for another touchdown. But Kenny Galladay is without a doubt a game changer for this offense. And you see the difference that he makes. And I don't want to under, I don't want to understate just how much I don't think Kenny Galladay was 100% those first couple of games that he came back, you know, missed the first couple of games of the season. And then they talked about it on the broadcast about how he was like frustrated that the bye week was so early because he felt like he was just starting to gain some steam. And then it was, okay, let's take a break for a week and then let's go down to Jacksonville. I mean, he took this, I think, as a challenge because he came out and like I said, four catches for 105 yards that's big play stuff. I mean, that's, that's what you want out of your number one wide receiver. I don't, I don't mind, he, you know, your number one wide receiver doesn't have to be Michael Thomas. He doesn't have to catch 12 balls a game for, you know, 95 yards or for 106 yards. Your number one wide receiver needs to make big plays. And the thing about Kenny Galladay is he makes big plays. It, he doesn't have to, you know, I, I think on the, um, it was actually the deep shot that I, that I just talked about the 48 yard pass. You saw that little bit of separation he was able to gain just with a, with, you know, a little arm battle. And that was all he needed. And then Stafford just threw up a ball. And what did he do? He attacked the ball and he went and got it. Not saying that he's Calvin Johnson, but that was like a Calvin Johnson esque play with the way that he, you know, was able to create some separation, but he did it. You know, he has to manufacture his separation, whereas Calvin Johnson could just turn on the burners and beat people. Yeah. But But with the way that he was able to, you know, high point that ball, attack it at the point of catch and bring it down. I mean, that's still a really big play. I understand it's a free play, but it ends up being a play that sets your team up for a touchdown. And I just really think that Kenny Galladay is just one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. um, One of the top 10 best wide receivers in the NFL. And I think that you need to pay that man his money.
1: Hey Ryan, did you? I didn't mean to cut you off, Jeremy. Did you hear? Megan. Did you hear what his nickname is? They they finally gave it to him. It's not Kenny G. It's not the Sax Man. It's not Baby Tron. Did you hear okay. what it, you know what he is? No, what is it? Midwest Mike Evans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> stop, stop with your Mike Evans. Hey. But I mean,
2: go ahead. I was gonna say Mike Evans wishes that he could carry Kenny, Kenny Galladay's jock to the
0: to the game. That's what I heard, man. That's
1: what I
0: heard. I don't know. I, I'm with you though, Ryan. Like this, this team had been missing explosive plays through the air for, through the first three weeks without Kenny Galladay, and only four catches today. But he turned, like you said, he turned those into 105 yards. That catch he made on and to turn a stalling drive. I think that might have been was that a third down play? I don't know. I feel like he's had at least, he had at least a couple third down conversions in this game. Kept drives alive. The, the line's a couple times that they had reached midfield against Jacksonville in this game and they had stalled and they needed a big play out of someone. And more often than not, I think, I think he was that guy. And so offense that I, I certainly think was missing. Not my biggest takeaway of the game. Certainly, uh, I think a valid one. Jerry, let's go to you next. What was
1: your biggest Jags? saw early, but I mean, pretty bad start for him, you know to his contemporaries you had you know Clyde Edwards Hilaire who got picked just before him had a great week one he looked like he was going to be the darling running back you had DeAndre Swift's horrible week one you know you had the injuries uh during training camp so it's just a rough start for him you got a 40 year old running back getting all the reps but today I think this might be the shift for Swift and um you know he's clearly our best running back it seems as though Adrian Peterson can get sometimes the tough yards. They may trust him in key situations, you know, as far as not fumbling, but he's by far our best running back. He showed it. Uh, the first few weeks, some of his success was more so catching the ball, but we saw that explosion. We saw just how, you know, quick he is in those cuts. I mean, I'm happy for the guy, for all the uh, the disappointment early on. And even the whole theory with running backs, I'm like you, Jeremy. I don't really like drafting running backs early. So you've got this guy in Jacksonville, James Robinson, who was picked up off the street and he looks like, you know, one of the better running backs. Again, another ding to DeAndre Swift, you know, uh, being compared to other guys, his rookie class. But uh, I think this week he kind of separated himself. And I think that shift might be coming. You know, if this offense is going to be successful, this was a dream scenario for Matt Patricia, as effective as we were running the ball. And it was mainly because of DeAndre Swift. So um, I'm I'm thinking his carries should increase, uh, his load should increase, and we should have some more good games like this. I'm proud of the guy because he had a rough start coming out, you know, uh, with that drop.
0: Yeah, no question. The Lions running game huge in this game. they were able to control the clock. They had 180 total yards in this game, 116 of which came from Swift, which he hit that that threshold, that 100 yard threshold that had been so elusive for the Lions running backs for so long. And two scores. I think, I think we also need to talk about that. The running in the red zone. Three rushing touchdowns in this game. They came into this game with three total rushing touchdowns. The, the Lions running game had worked fairly well, I think, through the first three or four games. But where I think they struggled was running in opportunities in which the other team knew they were going to run. When, you yeah. know, a third and one, or you're, they're trying to run out the clock against the Bears or whatever it is, they weren't able to do that. But in this game, great in the red zone. They're running the ball pretty well in the fourth quarter there too. When the when you know the game was mostly out of hand, but you know if they went three and out, the Jaguars may have been able to get in, back in this game, but they didn't. They were running the ball successfully, so to me, that's that's huge. That's a big step. That's what this team wants to be now. Jaguars defense not great, and we have to address that. Uh, they're off. Their their pass defense is particularly bad, so it's good to see some of those deep plays happen. Run defense was a little bit better, but not not that good. Um, Ryan, were you, did you come way impressed with, with Swift in this game?
2: Yeah, I did. I, I think the thing that's even, uh, even more exciting about Swift and his play today was that I think there's another level. I think there's something more. And mm-hmm. the thing that I point to at the box score is the three catches for seven yards. I think that you see him be a much more dynamic player in terms of his ability to catch balls out of the backfield, to go out and line up uh, as a wide receiver and make plays that way. I just really think that for as good of a game that DeAndre Swift had today, I think that there's a whole another level to his game that can be tapped into. I mean, that's a, that's a tall task to, to give a guy when he runs for 8.3 yards per carry. And, you know, he does it on just 14 carries and a couple of touchdowns like you mentioned. But I think that Detroit really got a, a good player in DeAndre
0: Swift. And I don't feel like that's an overreaction. And let me, let me, let me play my own role here you you look at his carries you look you look at wow 8.3 yards per carry wow that's amazing let's let's play my game let's take away his longest run 54 yards is, is, was that his first carry of the game i believe yeah mm-hmm. so then you're left with 13 rushes for 62 yards i'm happy that, with that that's still 4.8 a carry yeah that's great that's still total you'll take that 10 days out of 10 oh, so 100% he, he passed the litmus test there was there was definitely an, an a moment in the game where it looked like he had slowed down. And I think that number when you took out the biggest run was more like two point two a carry. But again, when it came down to crunch time when the lines needed to run the ball, he was able to. He's picking up four, five, six yards almost every time he touched the ball. And I think you're right, in the past game, that's where I kind of expected him to see most of his yards early and maybe it was. Um still splitting carries with Adrian Peterson. It's interesting, I feel like they used Jamal Agnew more in the passing role that he could have kind of embodied in this game and he only came away with, with two catches for 17 yards and I think a run as well. But but yeah, it, it's it kind of it's weird. Do you, do you guys feel like those two might be a little redundant for each other, like Jamal Agnew and, and DeAndre Swift? Like they're kind of playing the same role in, in, in a similar way or do you think there's room for both of them?
1: In some ways, it, it's a little bit redundant. I was wondering, you know, early on would, you know, Marvin Hall and Agnew kind of play that similar guy that could take the top off the defense. But it is looking more so like Agnew is – shifting toward that kind of running back receiver type of thing. So it's a little bit redundant, but I'm thinking, Jeremy, you might need to coin that, uh, that outlier thing, like a Jeremy <laughs> outlier, like a, some type of acronym or something. Cause I was thinking about that stat and thinking about him after he got the 54 yard run. I'm like, you know, cause early on, a couple of those carries after that was kind of, you know, ho hum. so I yeah. started thinking about you. You might have to coin that. Another cool thing too. Now these penalties, uh, may have been the reason why he got 10 plus yards, but he had a couple of runs too that were called back. One was about 10 and one was about 15. So no matter how you slice it, you take the biggest run away, you know, a few of those penalties could have went in a different direction. I mean, he's had an effective game overall. So, you know, hats off to the guy.
2: I got two last things to say. Um, One, like what about the run where he just absolutely barreled over Josh Jones? Yeah. And I mean, you, you didn't, Expect that. I think when the Lions drafted him, you thought he was going to be this kind of like scat back. He's going to try to run, you know, around defenders rather than through them. But that guy like just was running through the tackle box. Like he was, I mean, you know, whatever kind of 90s style running back you want to talk about, he was running with some authority. So that was really impressive. And the second thing is Jeremy, to answer your initial question about Agnew, there is some redundancy. And I, I feel like the only way they use Agnew is in a really gadget gimmicky way. Like, and and I have no problem with like the play call today but they ran that tunnel screen. Run that tunnel screen with DeAndre Swift. I want to see that's him do I'm that.
0: That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. We'll see. All right. So you guys have talked about the offense and that's fine. The Jag- Jaguars defense, let's 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 call spade a spade though. They're they're horrible. They they were by DVOA standards actually worse than the Detroit Lions going into this game. 32nd in the league. Bad. Awful. So we need to give some love for the freaking Detroit Lions defense in this game because you know what? this Jacksonville Jaguars offense was 10th in DVOA. They were a good offense and they were led by one of the best rushing attacks in the league. And what did the Lions do? One of the worst defenses in the league, hold them to 44 rushing yards on 16 carries 2.8, a carry that, that to me is the headline of this entire game. The, I mean, print it on your newspaper, throw it on, you know, whatever. Like it, I, it's the most unexpected thing that happened in this, this game. I think I gave Jacksonville a plus three or plus four advantage in my on paper uh, preview. How did this happen? How did this defense suddenly turn around and the front, it was mostly the front seven, like the worst part about this team, the linebackers and the interior defensive linemen were just got awful through the first month of the season. And all of a sudden what was their longest run nine yards. And that was Gardner Minshew.
1: Mm-hmm. Where did
0: this come from? Are you kidding me? How surprised were you guys when this happened? Because I'm still trying to process it. Did 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 they, you know, get a Space Jam ball and everyone touch it and suddenly Jared Davis is, is I don't know, Ray Lewis? What happened?
1: It's, it's intriguing. I don't know, you know, coach speak, right? They say things. How much do you buy into it now? According to Patricia, they slow things down. They've uh, reduced some of the things so that they can play faster overall so that they can react quicker, quicker. Uh, maybe that has something to do with it you know they had a couple of weeks to kind of tinker uh, I think these guys know it's at stake as a coaching staff so you know you, you get the glimpse this one week but you know if we go down there to Atlanta and, and Ty Gurley runs all over us and I'm really worried about their you know about that game because they have yeah. a really good offense but you know if we struggle that next week it was just an outlier you know right. so um this one was promising. I was surprised, but if we see it again next week, maybe it's a trend forming. So it's, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens next week to make let me see how I really feel about this week's performance. If that makes sense,
0: absolutely. What about you, Ryan? Yeah.
2: Well, I was going to say, Jeremy. I think what's going to be most interesting for you to go back, you know, over the course of this week and look back at this game and see what types of things you can notice on film is going to be like the play of some of the guys in the in the middle, like Danny Shelton. It seems like it seemed like the defensive line was really to, uh, to point to and to say that these guys are the reason why the Lions were able to hold the Jaguars to under, what was it, 2.8 yards of carry? Yeah. 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 So I think it's really going to be the defensive line that's going to shine on film because while, you know, while the linebackers made some plays, we're going to get into the second segment and we're going to talk about some, some linebackers who looked pretty bad. And... um I'd have to say that the defensive line was what really, you know, stepped up today for, for Detroit and the reason why they were
0: able to corral a, a pretty good Jaguars running attack. And and that brings me to my next point about the defense. Pressure. Where did that come from? They forced Gardner Minshew to throw the ball a lot quicker than he wanted to on so many plays, and it didn't result in a ton of inter I mean, they got one interception and somehow they only got one sack on the day. It feels like they probably could have had five or six. Um and, and maybe that's an issue that that they're looking towards fixing next week, but mm-hmm. lines got aggressive. They blitzed yeah. a heck of a lot in this game, and it did, it, it, yeah. It saved a touchdown, and and I mean, it, it it made everything work better in the passing game because again, I don't really think the secondary played particularly well in this game. I saw Amani Aruaria get beat a couple times. Jeff Okuda again didn't play a particularly great game, but by bringing that pressure, a lot of inaccurate passes, a lot of passes that. You know, could have been a downfield pass for a lot of yards, ended up having to be a, a dump down underneath. And so I again, I'm just like, I, I'm with you, Jerry. I'm just like, wow, this is great. We've been asking for this forever. Can they continue it? And and a lot of people will say, and eh, this is a Jags team. It, it's it's a throwaway performance. Don't don't celebrate it. Don't get caught up into it. But the thing again, I need to point out is that this Jacksonville offense was very good going into this game. They were competing with really good teams and I know their, their schedule is also not very good but they put they hung 30 on Tennessee Tennessee I think we can all agree that the Lions defense is a lot worse than Tennessee and something maybe the Lions aspire to be right Jacksonville hung 30 on them and the Lions held them really to 10 they I know they scored a, a garbage touchdown at the, at the end of the game they got turnovers they got pressure they stopped the run they did everything I, I think that and that's what's kind of like, if, if I want to get too far ahead of myself and, and start thinking really positively about this team, I think the offense still has another gear. I think the offense still isn't firing on all cylinders. And so if they can put up 34 because of the defense playing as, they, as well as they did, imagine how good this team could look with everything working correctly. And of course, every team is saying that. Yeah, if we if play every game perfectly, we're going to be great. But I'm just saying, this was as close to a perfect defensive performance as I think we've seen under Matt Patricia.
1: It was very I, impressive.
0: I really think that's true. And so if, if, if they can just, I mean, and this is a game we played all, all offseason, right? Like if the Lions defense could just be average, this team could be really good. Well, this defense was well above average today. And if, if they can hold that, imagine if the offense, if, imagine, imagine if Matthew Stafford has a good game this year, because we're going to get into that a little bit in our next segment. I don't think Matthew Stafford is playing particularly well still, but no. I'm just, I'm in awe of this defensive performance. And I can, I can only hope that they play at least 80% this good the rest of the way.
1: Yeah. And to your point, Jeremy, yeah, the the Jaguars record was not that good. One in four or whatever. But if you watch their games or even just look at the highlights, they lost a lot of shootouts. So if we won this game in a shootout, maybe 34 to 30 or something like that, I think we'd be a little less hopeful because, you know, it was a typical Jaguars game where they can't stop anyone. But their offense, like you said, it has been good. So we, you know, we kind of stymied. I know it's the Jaguars. It's hard to think that way. But through the first quarter of the season, they were one of the more successful offenses, uh, both in the uh, through the pass and run. So um, this Atlanta one again, I know I keep talking about Atlanta, but this is, again, a bad team, but a very good offense. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what we do in that game, too, because that's when those trends start to build.
0: Atlanta sure, certainly made the Vikings look like a very, very bad team this this week. So, um, yeah, that game does loom, interesting, lo, loom large, and, and, yeah, we'll say a lot about this team. Ryan, before we head to our break, anything left to say about the defense there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you made a great point about you want to see the pressure become more consistent, right? Because it only resulted in one sack. However, that one sack was a strip sack and it ended up being a big, you know, turning point in the game, I think for, for Detroit because Jacksonville had a chance to kind of mount a comeback there and you're noticing something, right? You're noticing how big turnovers are for a team and their success in the win loss record. Look at the Arizona game. Lions won the turnover battle. Look at this game. Lions won the turnover battle. It's another win for them. So I think that's something that every defense aspires to do is they want to you know, make big plays. They want to make big impact plays. And the lions defense was able to do that today against a, a Jacksonville team that I, w- while their offense has looked really good. I, I do want to say though, that they had all of their big name players playing in their offense. You know, they yeah. had DJ shark. He was healthy. LaVisca Chenault was out there. They had their undrafted running back Robinson, who was out there and, and ready to, you know, you know, uh, just lay waste to a lions rushing defense. It's been absolutely terrible this year. But they didn't. And so you hope that the Lions defense now, after a bye week after Jerry had mentioned, maybe if you want to buy into the coaching speak that they've slowed everything down and they limited everything for uh, for some aspects of their defense to make things a little bit faster for them. You want to hope that they can carry this momentum into next week because as you mentioned, like Atlanta has
0: this high powered offense, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make plays. No question about it. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the game. We're going to talk about some winners, losers, except we're not going to call them that. We're going to call them penthouse or doghouse. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on the PODcast. And we are back with the POD cast celebrating a Detroit Lions victory, moving to two and three on the season. Big win over the Jaguars, big convincing win over the Jaguars. Let's break into the game a little bit, talk about some individual performances with our new segment, Doghouse or Penthouse. And so we're going to talk about some players that played well and are now in the Penthouse, enjoying their little stay in the grotto, maybe, or in the doghouse, which self-explanatory, I think. Let's I would say so. throw it to Jerry first. Jerry, why don't you give me someone who's in your penthouse this week?
1: Well, we already talked about Deandre Swift. He's definitely, you know, in the penthouse. He's loving life. He celebrated. Uh, Kenny Gowdy got some love. Now this guy, the stats aren't looking huge, but I just like the efficiency. I like the trajectory. I got to go with my man, TJ Hawkinson. You know, he got a, a nice touchdown today. I think he only had a couple of catches. Um, but I like the efficiency that he's bringing. He's catching four or five balls a game. You know, he's on track now to get a close to 800 yards, eight touchdowns. And so when we're looking at foundational pieces, whether it's Patricia and Quinn, whether it's whoever, I'm kind of keying in on guys like Hawkinson, on guys like Swift, because I think they'll be here for whatever the regime you know ends up being. So I'm giving Hawkinson some love for the penthouse. The stats won't wow you, but it was a crucial fourth down touchdown. You know, we needed that to keep the momentum, to keep things going. And just overall, I've been impressed with what he's done so far this year.
0: Let me add something about Hawkinson. Definitely doesn't show up on the stat sheet. I think we're going to come, we're going to wake up tomorrow morning, look at the PFF grades and see a very good run blocking game for TJ Hawkinson in this game because what I noticed is they taught they like to take him across the formation there, and especially when their two right tackles went down. I feel like they brought him over to that right side a lot and helped open up some holes. Because what I found really fascinating in this game, you know, they lose um Tyler Crosby, they lose Halapuli Vati Vitae to to what, what was it? Dehydration in this game, exhaustion, yeah, yeah. And so you have Matt Nelson out there who who. His only time, this might be his only time ever getting any real NFL action. And when he played in college, he was on defense. So huge, huge uh, liability potentially out there. They bring in Hawkinson there, and they run to the right side still a lot. They did not shy away from that side. And so I think you're going to see a a really good run blocking grade from Hawkinson in this game. Um, which, Which, like I said, not on the stat sheet. Maybe something that is a bit underappreciated by some people. Um, Ryan, what do you do you want to give me a penthouse or a doghouse? Let me give you a guy that belongs to the penthouse,
2: even though you you kind of harped on him a little bit in the first segment. Amani Aruarie, I think definitely belongs in my penthouse. And here's why. The the stat sheet might say otherwise, right? The stat sheet may say Jacksonville Jaguars, um, you know, Keelan Cole, I think had something like 159 yards receiving. Um you know, LaVisca Chenault was breaking tackles and and ma- making five guys miss on defense. DJ Shark had a decent game. But Amani Arroyo made one of the biggest plays of the game. And I think what I'm really kind of keying in on from the Lions is in really important moments, they made big plays. Coming into the second quarter, the Lions, they... um you know Matthew Matthew Stafford throws that interception, right? It's seventeen to
0: three. Yep, right at the beginning. Forty, yeah.
2: Right, right at the beginning of the half, right. Yep. Yeah, and Matthew Stafford throws that interception, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are set up. They're they're in they're in scoring position. They're in the red zone. It's seventeen to three. They can easily make this a one score game, but Jacksonville stalls out, and on that fourth down play, Amani Arari makes a huge yeah. pass breakup huge pass breakup that could have ended up being an interception almost because that ball was in the air long enough for sure but um I think you know kind of like separating you know the stats from from seeing like the big plays that they made because he definitely made definitely made a couple of really key tackles too and that's something that is huge in a Matt Patricia defense is he needs his he needs his cornerbacks to be able to make tackles and you know Jeff Okuda eight tackles on the game. Amani O'Reilly made two solo tackles that I thought were pretty big and he had two pass breakups. And one of them was a really key play at a, um, at a very consequential you know point in the game. So Amani O'Reilly for a guy who was probably the Lions, like number one cornerback today without Desmond Trufant, he was the guy. And I think
0: he stepped up and I think he played really good this week. Fair enough. I'll, I'll allow it. You know what? I'll allow it. Uh, I will go, I'll go doghouse to start. And I want to start, I guess let's start with Marvin Jones. Now, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. I know he's still got the talent to to be the big-time player that the Lions need to be, but two catches, eight yards, coming off of a game in which he had one catch, nine yards. What's happening here? Yeah. What happened Jones. to this, this big duo yeah. that, that, that had, you know that there were for most of, of 2019 were first and second in the league in, in receiving touchdowns. Marvin Jones is a non-factor right now. He's being completely erased. And again, this was one of the worst, maybe the worst pass defense in the league. And Marvin Jones still isn't making an impact. And yeah. so that's concerning to me. And that, and that's what I'm talking about this offense, not hitting that extra gear. Marvin Jones is part of that. Where is he? And I know the lines have a lot of, a lot of weapons, but when they're not, I mean, they didn't put up a ton of passing yards today and, and I know they also didn't throw the ball a ton, but still, Marvin Jones is good enough to be part of this passing attack, part of this offense, and he just hasn't been there in the past two weeks. And I'm not sure what's going on there.
1: And that's that's a little concerning for me too, Jeremy. Now Marvin Jones does have like a lot of boom and bust games throughout the season. He'll have you know low performance and huge games, but usually not to this extent. You know his his down games are usually at least you know thirty, forty yards, three, four, five catches. Um, not just this complete steep drop off that we're seeing, you know, he's, uh, I don't have his age up right in front of me. He's, he's, he's about 30. He's close to that. Um, I don't know if it's a scheme thing. Uh, I don't know if it's a little bit of production, you know, his separation has never been great, but um, yeah, I'm a little worried about him too, man. He's, he's got to join that doghouse for sure. Jeremy. All
0: right, let's throw it back to Ryan. Let's, let's hear someone from your doghouse. Who's in your doghouse this week? This one's too easy. Jelani Tavai is in the doghouse, and
2: <clears throat> he's going to stay there for the rest of the week. He doesn't even have a chance on film review to work his way out of the doghouse because he was bad. Bad, bad, bad. So bad in a way that I was really shocked that he was staying on the field. Like, there wasn't any way that you could put Jalen reeves Maybin in the game. Like, there wasn't any... There, there wasn't a way you could work reg you know Reggie Ragland into the game for Jelani Tavai. Like, put a special teamer out there because at least they have... At least they have some speed and some IQ because Jelani Tavai has neither. Like, I mean, he was getting uh, on the play where LaVisca Chenault caught that ball, he whiffed. On the Gardner Minshew scramble for the touchdown, absolutely whiffed. On the play where he got picked, come on, dude. Like, you just need to have your head on a swivel. He, He doesn't pass any of the tests for a linebacker. And this is just another Bob Quinn second round swing and a miss. I mean, tease Tabor, swing and a miss. Jelani Tavai is looking like he's on that same trajectory. It just Will so Harris. happens it just so hap- yeah, Will Harris. Um it it just so happens to be that Jelani Tavai plays a position where the Lions have seemingly nothing better to offer.
0: So he's in my doghouse this week. No question. And I think Missed tackles were, again, kind of big early in this game. It wasn't a a persistent problem like it was, I think, last week against the Saints. And part of that is, you know, Jaguars don't have Alvin Kamara. But I I counted at least two or three missed tackles from Tavai himself. And it's just, it's sad. I mean, this was supposed to be a year, hopefully, that he was going to break out. I know year two is still young in a player's career. And so there's still maybe a little bit hope for Jelani Tavai. But given the level that he's playing at right now, it's it's bad. It's It's Jared Davis level bad, maybe maybe even worse, because at least Davis shows like the pass rushing skills every now and then. I'm not sure what Jelani Tavai does well right now. But that's the thing about Jared Davis, Jeremy, and
2: kick it over to you, Jerry. After this, but like Jelani Tavai can't make even a play by accident, whereas Jared Davis's athleticism sometimes just like puts him in position to make a play every once in a while. Jelani Tavai, his inability just keeps him from making plays.
1: Yeah. to, buy is, to buy is bad. And uh it's, I, you know what? That's the analysis. Yeah, you, you, you summed it up perfectly. I don't have to paint it any other way. Tavai is bad. I, I 100% agree. Um Now, next week, if this segment continues, I'm going to be very disappointed if you guys don't snipe Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive. that little scene where he's like, I want you to go to every outhouse, doghouse, penthouse. You got you to gotta put that in the opening for this segment. I mean, <laughs> If we're, if we're right. doing this the right way, um, for my doghouse. Now, hear me out. We love this guy, um, but when we're comparing to what we're used to, and that's like my thing with Stafford. Stafford hasn't been horrible, but horrible, horrible. What we're used to is disappointing. It's uh, Matt Prater. I'm, I'm putting him in the doghouse mm-hmm. for this week. Um, and it's not just for this game, it's been for this year. He just hasn't been able to hit those long field goals. Now, is it just an aberration? I know there was some win things going on in, in Jacksonville, but he he missed some long ones here uh, in Detroit at forward field too. You know, you just don't know. The guy's a little bit older. Is the leg strength becoming an issue? I mean, that was such an advantage for us The you know, if we're, if we're stopped at the 40-yard line or the 35-yard line, we still have a great shot at getting three points. Um, you think back to that game versus Minnesota where we had to get up the field with very few seconds and he nailed a 58 yarder like it was nothing. I mean, it's just a huge advantage for us uh, from a special team standpoint. So now are we more along the lines of him just being your average kicker? You can hit some 50 yarders here or there, but it's no guarantee. I mean, that's a big advantage that we have that's being taken away. So I love you, Prater. Hopefully this is just you know, a four or five game aberration. But for right now, I'm putting him in a doghouse. and then I'm putting an, an animate object in the doghouse as well. I'm going to go with Danny Shelton's, those rubber band things on his arms, man. Okay. <laughs> his arms are so big. Those rubber bands look so tight. It looks like they're about to bust at any moment. They're holding on for dear life. So I don't know if it's his arms that are in the doghouse or those rubber band things on it, but that whole combination and the look, everything about it, I hate looking at it. It looks painful. And so that's going in the doghouse too.
0: All right. Uh, and a quick note on Prater, 0 for 3 from 50 yards or more this this year. And I was really bummed too, because you, if, if you think back, he's got a competition going between Bradley McManus, guy with the longest field goal wins free beer for the city. That was a big opportunity. He blew it today. 57 yards, longer than anything McManus has kicked so far. It's a little bummer about that, but I think he probably turns around. I think, I think most of his 50-yard attempts have been 55 or longer, so it's not like they're gimmies by any chance. They're, they're tough kicks, but you know he still has the leg to, to make it. That 57-yarder that today was long enough. Just uh, shanked it left, pushed it left. Mm-hmm. Um, you got something really quick, Ryan? Yeah, I got one more guy for the penthouse.
2: Okay, I I I
0: got
2: a penthouse as well, but yeah, go ahead. Awesome. Hopefully they're not the same guy, but uh, if they are, we can just keep talking about him because he is a guy who I feel gets a lot of, he gets a lot of criticism tossed his way, and I think it has a lot to do with his contract, but let's put Trey Flowers in the penthouse. You know, Um, makes a critical play. Again, a guy who, in my penthouse, he belongs up there because he made a critical play at a very important time in the game. 17-3, 17 to 3 just before the half Jaguars are about to score um they could have they could have you know gotten within a score and boom strip sack fumble so Trey Flowers I uh, I think he belongs to the penthouse Jeremy what <laughs>
0: sorry we had an alert go off on our Twitch channel that literally scared the crap out of me it's a new <laughs> alert when we get gifted subs <laughs> Ooh. I thought I, I thought I thought I
2: thought I slipped up and had like no. a like a Freudian slip about Trey Flowers and I was like oh man
0: what what like, what did I step into no, You're great you're great I just <laughs> like my heart is beating like crazy right now dear lord that alert is loud um, <laughs> Let me let me jump to my uh, my penthouse I'm, I'm, I'm it's not a player this time it's a group of guys it's the offensive line and I know I talked a little bit about all the penalties that they had <clears throat> and maybe that's a reason why some of the the, the drive stalled but. When you got a running game that's working as well as it did, and, and credit to running backs, they, they made the most out of their opportunities, but there were some massive holes in this game. Everything seemed to be clicking on that <clears throat> offensive line. Matthew Stafford didn't get sacked in this game. And the Lions went through all these crazy shifts during the game. It seems like maybe the guard rotation is back, which we all hate. Jonah Jackson, for some reason, wasn't in there some of the time. We saw some Ode Abushi. Some of it maybe was, was because of the Lions having to shift out a right tackle every five minutes. To, to drink some water but through all of that i, I mean let's look let maybe maybe we'll let's put matt uh matt nelson in like the the vip room of the penthouse <laughs> he's a large baby because yep. my god a guy who just Mortal comes service. off the bench right tackle was not a problem and here's the funny thing when i was watching the game live i thought tyrell crosby was struggling early i thought he was bad on the right edge i saw pressure continuing to come and i'm like This is going to result in a strip sack one of these days. He gets out of the game. Matt Nelson comes in. I'm I didn't see anyone on Matthew Stafford for the entire second half. They did a fantastic job. And I think part of it is because of the balance, because they were so successful in the run game. But again, that's because of the offensive line. So big, big VIP performance from from the offensive line today.
1: I like how you gave Nelson that extra rub, too, because if you think about it, you've got five healthy starters, plus Joe Dahl healthy available, you know, as the sixth guy. Who would have thought that Nelson would have gotten any playing time? He hasn't gotten any, you know, or much playing time with the, the offensive line having, you know, different injuries. So for him to come in like that, like you said, they all get that penthouse, but he gets the special the special seat.
0: All right. Um, does anyone else have a, a penthouse or a doghouse? We haven't talked a lot about dogs. Has anyone got an extra doghouse out there that they want to hand out? I'm happy um, I was gonna say I don't yeah. want to put I don't want to put Matthew Stafford in the doghouse,
2: so I almost okay. I I I, I want to put Matthew Stafford in the outhouse, <laughs> <laughs> meaning meaning I just need I just need to take a break I just need to take a break on him he gets okay. he gets a break this week because the Lions were able to win this game in a very Matt Patricia way. I think we talked about that during the break a little bit, Jeremy, but like, this is like the ultimate Matt Patricia game. The defense forces a couple turnovers. They run the ball down Jacksonville's throat. They play the time of possession game. I don't even know what it was, but the lions had to have won it. Um, yeah. With the way that they were running the ball and the way they just seemed like
0: they had the ball almost all the time. 30, um, 35 to 25 or 36 to 24, essentially.
2: Which I mean is pretty. That's pretty convincing. I mean, that's almost a whole. That's almost a whole extra quarter of football with with the offense, with the offense on the field. And, um, you know what? I think there was a lot of credence to that today because it was a hot Jacksonville day. Um, keeping that defense on the field. Maybe that's why the Lions were able to run the ball so well. Is that they were able to keep that Jacksonville defense on the field and and just keep their legs turning. And, you know, obviously credit goes to DeAndre Swift. Credit goes to even Adrian Peterson for making some, some crucial runs of, you know, three and four yards, you know, just keeping the ball moving forward, not backwards. And um, I just need to see it from Stafford. I think we all need to see it from Stafford. We're at the point where we know that he is not playing the Matthew Stafford football that we all know he can play. I'm just wondering why it's not happening. He yeah. has, he has all the weapons. He has everything he needs. Um, I think that's why you maybe see like Marvin Jones even kind of like take a step back a little bit, yeah. the, the play from Matthew Stafford, but also there's so many, there's so many ways the Lions can spread the ball around Danny Amendola, Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Swift. You know, they got Adrian Peterson who's getting still 15 carries like the lions have so many weapons. Matthew Stafford is the straw that serves the drink. We talk about this all the time, but that's the that's the gear that they can kick into. So I'm I'm taking a break on Matthew Stafford this week because he's earned it over
0: his, you know, 11 years playing with Detroit, so. But isn't it crazy, though? Like, what, is, what has been the storyline for Matthew Stafford since he came into the league? Once he gets a running game, just wait and see. He's got one now. He's got at least some sort of semblance of one, and he's playing the worst football of his career. Maybe not the worst <laughs> football of his career, but, like, not not worse he's football so in hard. his modern career.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. one of my favorite Stafford defenses for the last 10 years, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh, now you can't even use it. it.
1: Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All me right, look horrible.
0: Before we go into our second break here, I want to ask you a question. Penthouse or doghouse Lions coaching staff and why?
1: I got to put them in the penthouse today. I mean, um, they, they blitzed a little bit more and, you know, it's a result-oriented business. You know, we're looking at they could be gone potentially right now. If they, if, if this game was reversed and we were the ones that scored uh, 17 points, or and 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 Jacksonville look, you know, if this game was switched around, they might all be gone. So you got to give them credit for the fact that um, you know we came out of the bye, we clearly looked prepared. Uh, the team is is sticking with these guys. You know, they've all bought in, and so uh, it's observational. But yeah, they can they can roll in a penthouse for this week.
0: You agree, Ryan?
2: Yeah, I think Jerry said it best when he said this is a results-oriented business. And you look at how convincingly Detroit beat up a bad Jacksonville team. Like they should have gone out and done that. Like if if the Lions are who they think they are, then they should have gone out and they should have beat Jacksonville the way they just did it today.
0: Yeah, and I mostly agree. I definitely have them in the penthouse. They're they're I'm I'm going to be very nitpicky in this segment, so bear with me. One of my favorite things that happened in the entire game, the Lions are up 17-3. to They're driving to go up potentially more than that. It's fourth and goal from the one. Old Matt Patricia kicks a field goal there. He's like, you know what, 20-3, to that's perfectly fine. They don't do that. They go for the jugular. And that's not the only time they went for fourth down on this game. They went for it twice. They almost did it a third time, and they probably should have converted on third down. Again, it was that weird offside false start thing that I think they got jobbed on a little Mm. bit. But there are also some things that really bother me about this game. It bothers me that Halapuli Vati Vaitai started at right guard in this game. I don't get it. Like, yeah. I know Tyrell Crosby's playing well, but you played that guy to be a right tackle. Why is he playing right guard? You have, you have your starting lineup finally healthy, and Joe Dahl's not even in it anymore? Why? He was playing fantastic at left guard. I get again, maybe he wasn't ready, but he, came, like, he wasn't the one we were worried about in terms of health. We were worried about Frank Ragnow, and he played the entire game. And then yeah. you look later in the game, or the, the end the end of the half. I thought was really sloppy on the lines part. They they somehow get the ball back after the the strip sack that you talked about. They have really good field position. They go three and out, and then they have the ball. They went backwards, time. didn't they? they? They did. There yeah. was a there was a holding penalty, I think, in that. And they have eight seconds left. This is this again. This is hugely nick picky. With eight seconds left, I would have liked to see them just try hail mary worst comes to worst, you give them an opportunity at Hail Mary, but I think Hail Marys usually take more than eight seconds anyways. So you're fine there. Again, nitpicky, but overall I think you guys are right. The the game plan was solid. They they brought a lot more pressure. They they found out found something that works with the run defense. I'm not sure what it is yet. I, I can't wait to jump into the all twenty two to figure out. But yeah, if you results oriented league as you guys all said and this was just a big, big big win in every sense of the word. And they really dominated just about every facet of the game.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And, and the one last thing,
2: Jeremy, like not saying that the lions are necessarily going to go anywhere, but like this keeps their season
0: alive. No question. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's a good lead into our third segment. We're going to talk about what this win means. Do we give them too much credit Because this is a Jacksonville team, should we not give them as much credit? What does this mean coming into Atlanta? We're going to get into all of that next on the PODcast. Stick around. And we are back with the podcast final segment of the show, celebrating this Lions win to move to two and three. But this segment, we are going to talk about big picture. Should we celebrate this win? Is it a big change? Is this where the season turns around, or was this just a blip on the radar? And obviously, none of you guys know the answer to that yet. But Ryan, let's throw it to you first. How much of this performance are you taking as legit? As, you know, maybe this defense can turn things around, can figure things out. Maybe the offense is finally getting things working on the ground game. How how much of this performance is sustainable?
2: You know, it was really hot in Jacksonville. I think we saw a mirage. I really did. I, I think that this was all just something that we we will forget about in one week's time. I think when the Lions play the Atlanta Falcons, it's going to be a much different story. I think you're going to see a high-powered or a high-powered Atlanta offense that features the likes of Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, and we're, we're catching them on the road. And you know that the Atlanta Falcons love to play at home, so it's going to be it's going to be a really tough matchup for the Lions if they can go out and if they can play defense the way that they played defense today against Jacksonville. Then I will buy into the Lions' defense making the right plays making the right steps to being a good defense. But they're still gonna be in the uh the maturation process, but I I can't buy I can't buy the Lions defense right now.
0: Jerry, I, I have a feeling you feel the same way, but let me just ask the question. Do you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, I do. I you know just looking at that Atlanta offense, you know, if if we give Matt Ryan time, they have the weapons to just, you know, probably humiliate us, you know, put up thirty-five 40 points. So um, I, I am celebrating this week because, hey, wins don't come often enough. And so I'm happy about this week. I'm celebrating it. Uh, for me, Mondays are always better when the Lions win. Uh, Sunday night football is more enjoyable. Everything. I, I I like when we win, period. You know, so I'm happy. I'll enjoy this week. But I am worried about next week. Um, this is an easy stretch coming up these next seven games. But, you know, I'm looking at Atlanta, even the Colts have been iffy, um, but and then even Minnesota because that familiarity. I just don't look at those three games as whatever their records are. I don't look at those. as just we're better than those three teams, just from what I've seen so far. So, uh, yeah, I kind of like that mirage theory. You know, we won out in the desert uh, there in Arizona, so that was definitely a mirage. You got that that slimy uh, swamp like heat in Florida, a little miragey if you want to put it that way. So. Um. Yeah, I I don't think this is a turnaround per se. So I'm kind of feeling the same way as Ryan on that one.
0: All I'm hearing is lines one in the South against the Cardinals. Lines one in the South against the Dolphins, or not the Dolphins (laughs) against the Jacksonville. (laughs) They're going down to Georgia. Hey, three three road wins to start the season, huh? No, no, no. no. no, You you find you find the devil in Georgia. That's (laughs) what you find in Georgia. (laughs) No, I'm with you guys, and I, I do think next week tells a lot about the team, but we also have to realize this is, this is still not a good Atlanta team. And while their offense is certainly good, I wouldn't even call it great right now. I mean, <clears throat> maybe, maybe it's turned a corner with Hulu Jones in the way that maybe the defense has turned a corner here. We don't know, but um, I, 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 there's a couple of things that I want to get to about what Jerry said. The first thing is like, yeah, celebrate a win, regardless of whether you think it's full school or not. Enjoy this because there's a lot out there that I'm sure wanted the Lions to lose this game. Wanted Matt Patricia fired tonight and didn't get that. Obviously not going to get that for at least the next week, maybe, maybe even more. Um, But if you think Matt Patricia is that bad at his job, guess what? He's probably going to screw it up in the remaining 11 games. There's 11 games for him to screw it up. Right. So enjoy this one, like enjoy the win for what it was, because if, if Matt Patricia is as bad as you think he is, he's going to screw it up. So, I mean, if this, I, if this team goes six and 10, he's not, he's not going to stick around. I really believe that. And so, I don't think this, this, you know, this kind of win necessarily gets them to seven, nine, eight and eight, nine and seven. Any of the, they, they need to string together all those kind of performances. <clears throat> and then the other thing I want to say is I think the Falcons present a different kind of problem for this defense. And that's passing attack, right? We we saw mm-hmm. the lines improve their run defense a lot, but passing the ball has still been an issue with this team. And and it was, it was wishy-washy today, right? Like they got a lot of pressure and I think that got them out of a lot of jams, but there were a couple of coverage breakdowns. I think, you know, I, I still don't think Jeff Okuda or Imani or Rari are playing particularly well. Tracy Walker is having some issues. I really like to play of Duran Harbin. He's the only guy in the secondary who I think is playing consistently well. And we saw J Ron some time as well. And I think he was okay. But in terms of like coverage, I think this team still has a lot of issues and if, and, to me this game didn't really assuage any of my my concerns any of my anxieties about their secondary because you know minshu wasn't horrible in this game he was he was fine and a lot of times when he was getting those pressures he would release the ball quickly he'd throw it to a spot and a guy had two or three steps on his defender and so that to me is going to be key next week it's a worse matchup for in in my opinion than than this week was And I probably didn't think that going into this game, considering how bad the line's run defense was, but if the run defense can hold on, I still don't know if that means they're stopping Atlanta next week. And so that to me is a big concern going forward.
1: So now it's like like the run defense, you know, we've had two good games and three bad ones. So is it, is it just like an inconsistent run defense? Is it up and down, you know, the run defense, I mean, you know, It's only five games, but about half the year, that the Arizona game, this game, has been solid. But like you said, Jeremy, that pass defense and that coverage still is kind of, uh, I'm worried, man. I'm really worried. So we'll we'll see what happens.
2: Brian, do you have a point you want to make? Yeah, I was going to say, for whatever reason, and I'm not trying to put him by any means into like the Kyler Murray category at all whatsoever, but you have a guy like Gardner Minshew who, I mean, I would call him a mobile quarterback. His, bit, yeah. his, his first season, 67 rushes for 344 yards. I mean, the guy can move outside the pocket. He can pick up first downs with his legs. And it's just interesting how, how they were able to have a game plan for Kyler Murray that really stifled the run defense or the, the Cardinals rushing offense. They were put together another you know good plan for this Jacksonville offense, which has really been their calling card is their, their rushing attack. So the Lions have been able to do that against mobile quarterbacks. But for whatever reason, Drew Brees picks him apart. Aaron Rodgers picks him apart. They can't put together some kind of, you know, they can't put together some kind of game plan for a pocket passer. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of frustrating because you think it'd be the exact opposite.
0: Yeah, def- definitely. <clears throat> I think, well, I think in a way a mobile quarterback plays into how they want to defend up front a little better. They, they want to contain, right? Like that's their thing no matter who's back there. And so the game mm-hmm. plan about containing a mobile quarterback that makes sense it doesn't make as much sense against a pocket quarterback you don't need to worry about containing about them because they can't escape and so so like if they bring a a similar game plan that they did this week sending a lot of pressure sending a lot of blitzes that were effective against matt ryan that makes a lot of sense it almost didn't make as much sense in this game but it obviously worked out for him
2: yeah yeah um the one other thing i want to point out and this has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that. This is the most impressive win of the Lions season, right? I mean, like, this is more impressive than the Arizona Cardinals win, even though I think the Cardinals are a better team than the Jaguars. Like, this was, this was from start to finish, I think, a a, a win.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, the Arizona game felt like they, Arizona lost it more than, I hate that kind of cliche, but it kind of felt that way. mm -hmm. Arizona lost, Lions didn't win it. Right, exactly. It is
2: really really frightening how similar this game is to the Miami Dolphins game that the Lions won 2 years ago. Yeah, it is. It's scary similar. Like I I'm taking a look yeah. at the team stats right now and in in the uh, in the win today the Lions had 25 first downs. In the game against Miami, 24 first downs. They controlled the time of possession. They had um they had similar like yards per play. Um the other the other big thing that stands out to me is that like Matthew Stafford was uber efficient in that Dolphins game. Like he was 18 to 22 for 217. Like I think that's the big difference. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, is that like that game was as 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 perfect a Matt Patricia game as you could ever imagine, because not only was Matthew Stafford damn near perfect. I mean, that was carry on Johnson's coming out party, 19 carries for 158 yards, which is pretty similar, uh, I should say, uh, in, you know, in terms of 14 carries for 116 yards from DeAndre Swift. Like, those guys are pretty similar into like, yards per carry. So there, there's just a lot of, lot of eerie similarities, third down efficiency in, in the Dolphins game. They, they weren't good on third down. They, they were two for eight. In this game, they were three of 12. It's it's just really eerie how I think Florida man had something to do with both these games.
1: <laughs> well, oh, get, Florida man.
0: Can we can we talk? Because this is kind of a, this speaks to a larger trend that we've seen under Matt Patricia at the beginning of seasons, right? Mm-hmm. I, I already saw someone point out this is literally the exact same win loss combination of the 2018 season: lost to the Jets, lost to the 49ers, win against the Patriots, lost to the Cowboys, win against the Packers. Two and three, Lost, lost, win, lost, win. And yeah. it feels like the same kind of thing happened in 2019. Obviously, the record's a little bit different, but you have that disappointing, extremely disappointing loss or tie to the Cardinals. You come back, you, you string together a couple wins, you string together a close loss to the Chiefs. You, you get that, you start off down as down can be. You bring yourself back up to thinking, hey, maybe this team can actually compete. And then we all know what happens at the end of the both those. Lions get to three and three in 2008. They end up losing to seven of their last 13, seven of the last 10 they lose nine in a row to end 2019 so is there anything about this team that has you thinking maybe this time this blip this this glimmer of hope this two wins in three games is the start of something new this is this is actually something and not just a blip before it all falls apart again
1: I don't I don't see it yet. I mean, to be honest, you you can say Stafford being healthy as opposed to, you know, 2019. But he was there in 2018. So, uh, I mean, not yet. And and we're talking about different styles and how we're successful. I think one of the big things and not to oversimplify it, but uh, pocket quarterbacks really relish when you don't have interior pass rush. We don't have a lot of pass rush at all. But traditionally, when we do have, get, a, get a pass rush, it's not from our our defensive tackles. Um, so you know, do you remember Deshaun Hand? Is he still nope. on this team? Nick Williams. That does that name ring a bell? I mean, these were the guys that were supposed to add some interior pass rush. Now, when we do get interior pass rush, it's coming from blitzes, which means these pocket. If we don't, if we don't actually get to the quarterback, these pocket guys are going to eat us apart because the coverage is going to be favorable. So, I mean, we've got a little bit of an issue uh, if we can't collapse that pocket without blitzing. Um, you know, we're going to fare badly. And when we do blitz, we have to get home. So until I see that, yeah, I, I, I'm not too confident, Jeremy, not to be doom and gloom. I'm enjoying today, but I don't see a whole lot different. Next week could tell us a lot, though.
0: Let me let me throw this set out at you really quick about the, the defensive tackles. Nick Williams, Danny Shelton, Deshaun Hand. This is one tackle total. Deshaun and Shelton- Hand... Deshaun Hand is not on the box score. It's ridiculous. And Shelton's been our best
1: interior pass rusher, and he was here to be really the nose. The guy was yeah. supposed to be the most... He's, he's been the best against the run and the best pass, uh, pass rusher. Where's and- Deshaun Hand at? Where is he at? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and that's like... We, we we just got done praising the Lions run defense, and I do think some of the interior defenders have a lot to do with it. A lot of their job is making sure the linebackers can run free and make tackles, and you see Jamie Collins had seven tackles. Tracy Walker came up and had six. Jared Davis had four in this game. So for the most part, they did their job in the run game, but you're absolutely right. There's just no pass rush coming from the interior at all, period. No question. Yeah,
1: yeah all right. you can't compromise the pocket. Those pocket quarterbacks are going to feast, man. I'm worried. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, to go back to my original question, is there any sign that this year could be different, that there, this could be the sign of a, of a turning point in the season? I do want to talk to two things that maybe this is me trying to play devil's advocate a little because I'm with you guys. I need to see more before I start believing in this team. I'm going to enjoy it for now. I'm, I'm going to be very, very pleasantly surprised about how the defense played in this game. But I need to see consistency. But Matthew Stafford hasn't been playing well. And for the Lions to blow out a team in which Matthew Stafford doesn't play well, I don't know if we've ever seen that. And the schedule. We gotta keep going back to the schedule, at least for now. If, if, if they can get some good or mild performances and still beat some of these teams, Atlanta's beatable, I'm sorry, their defense is horrible, their offense is inconsistent. The Colts, inconsistent. They, they're, they're what, four and two, so they're, they're not bad. I don't believe in Philip Rivers, no matter what happened this week. I know he he mounted a huge comeback, but he was awful th- through the first month of the season. And then you're talking about some, some really not good teams. The Vikings are falling apart. Washington's bad. The lines are better than Washington. And then the Panthers are just kind of a mediocre team. I'm not saying they're going to win all those games, but they certainly have the opportunity to win each of those games. And so if they can, they don't need to play as well as they played today to beat some of those teams. They really don't. And so they get a little bit better performance of Stafford going forward. They they play like at an eighty or ninety percent level of what they played in this game. They could certainly win four out of the next six, and then who knows what happens from there. Am I wrong? Be,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it'd be nice. And then you know, to your point, Jeremy, the the first four games, I believe we had the toughest schedule. Just comparing the opponents that we faced, we're the only team that their first four games were all against teams over five hundred. So the the, the schedule light, lighting lighting uh, lightening up, lightening up, am I saying that right? <laughs> the schedule, whatever, the schedule being easier, English teacher helped me. The schedule being easier should, you know, I mean, that might help us. But I think it's going to help us to like, I'm including this game in that seven game stretch to maybe four and three in that stretch, still just kind of sure. not quite good enough. And you're looking at five and six after the, you know, after the, that stretch, and then it gets harder toward the end a little bit with some more quality teams. So, but we'll see.
0: Ryan, if I if I had to press you right now and give give a record over the next six games, what are you giving them? Do you want me to read it through through the opponents again? Yeah, go ahead. Falcons at Falcons, home against Colts at Vikings, home against Washington at uh, Panthers, and then home against the Texans. <sighs>
2: I think that over the next six games, I think the Lions can go three and three. And I know that's probably a really boring answer. I, 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 I know that's a boring answer to say that they just play 500 ball. But here's the thing about the NFL schedule. It's a week to week thing. It really is a week to week thing. The Vikings just went and laid a huge egg against the Falcons. Remember how we were talking about how the Vikings were actually like one of the best, like quote unquote bad yeah. teams because of their performance that they had against the Seattle Seahawks? I, I mean, it, 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 it truly is a week-to-week thing. So when you're looking at the Lions, you know, you're looking at their schedule. Yes, the Falcons look like they're, they're going to be a little bit more of a test now, that they finally got a win under their belt. The Colts, who are the Colts? You know, they might be the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the entire NFL. The Vikings, and we're going to catch them on the road, are they, are they going to have their stuff put together by then? Are, are, are they going to be the team that they played against Seattle, or are they going to be the team that played against the Atlanta Falcons? The only team that I see in here that I can count on for sure being bad in the way that the Jaguars were bad today is the Washington football team. I think if you're talking about the Carolina Panthers, you know, are you going to get Teddy Bridgewater who doesn't turn the ball over? Or are you going to get the are you going to get like a like a situation with the Arizona Cardinals game? And, and you know, they're almost going to lose the game more than the Lions are going to win it or, you know, in, in the Texans game. Are they going to are they going to find a groove under their, you know, interim head coach R- Romeo Cornell, by then or are they going to still be are they still going to be the Texans who, you know, fumbled the game against the Tennessee Titans that they 100% should have won today? And Jeremy, I don't know if you if you even caught like the end of that game, but there were some very very interesting decisions that were made.
0: I'll have to go back and look. I, I didn't. Um I do want to go on this last question. I think it's an important one and it's one I think Lions fans are very interested in. What? How much time, how much rope does Matt Patricia have now after this win? How how much time did he buy himself? Because there were some, some rumors. I, mean, I don't want to give too much credence to them, but there was rumors. This was it. If they didn't win this game, they were done. Now with a, 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 not only a win, a decisive win, a, a, a win in which they changed their identity. They, they did some uncharacteristic things. They did some things that Lions fans have been begging for, and it all worked. How much time do they have now? If they go out and lose to Atlanta, are they done? I feel like they, they've bought themselves a little rope there, right? They, they probably at least have some, some slack there. What, what would it cost? Do they need to lose the next three and lose the next two? Is there a chance if they just get embarrassed, they get flatlined, steamrolled by the Falcons?
1: Could they still be gone? No, I, I don't think anything that could happen with that game uh, will, will make them lose their jobs. So if I'm thinking about how much rope they have, what's the worst case scenario that has to happen? Um, and then they lose it. I think they've, I think they've bought themselves three games. Um, they can lose this upcoming game. They can lose the one after that. Then that seat's piping hot. Then if they lost the third one, maybe, maybe just maybe it's a, it's a replacement coming in. But um, yeah, winning a game like this probably earned them three games in my opinion.
0: And that third game is a Vikings game. And going 0-3 to start the, the season in the division, that's a death sentence. Yep.
1: Yeah, it truly is. But
2: uh, I think you take a look around the league and you see a lot of teams who are mediocre, especially in the NFC. I think you see with the Lions, what this win did is, as I mentioned earlier, it kept their season alive. I'm yeah. not saying that this is a playoff team, but what I'm saying is this win gets you a little bit closer to you know thinking about the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles are one and four. The Giants are one and five. The Washington's one and five. The team that's leading that division just lost their quarterback for the season. The Dallas Cowboys and they're two and three. Yeah. So you're you're probably going to have a team with a losing record win the NFC East. You're talking about wildcard teams around the league. The Chicago Bears who are five and one. And the reason why I call them pretenders is their plus plus minus differential is twelve points. Twelve. And they've won five football games. That's crazy. You know what's even crazier? Look at the NFC West. Every single team has a plus point differential. Yeah. I mean, the the Lions have a shot. And as long as they have a shot, if they don't fumble these next six games, Matt Patricia is going to be around, I
0: think, for the rest of the season.
1: I like those stats. We start calling you Ryan Math.
0: (laughs) It's interesting because, like, yeah, the NFC East is bad. Yeah, the Bears are pretenders. I think we can all probably agree, even though as we're speaking right now, and this might turn out to be bad by the end of the podcast, the, the Packers are getting shellacked by the Buccaneers right now. Um, I don't think the Lions have a shot at the division. I think I think we're all probably no. pretty, pretty safe in saying that. There are three wild cards this year, though. We know one's not coming from the NFC East. Maybe give one to the Bears. Maybe. I'm, I'm going to say give one to the Bears. So then you're talking about fighting between teams like whoever doesn't win the NFC South, the Saints or the Bucks, maybe give them one as well. And then you're kind of into tricky territory here. Now the Lions have to jump either to the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Niners. Niners are in a tough position with all their situation right now. Cardinals, they, they do have the tiebreaker up on Hold the Cardinals, that tiebreaker over the Cardinals, but the Rams are, the Rams are really flying under the radar right now. At I'm, not giving,
1: I'm not giving the bears a wild card. I, I can, okay. I can see if let's say we're in a wild card race. I can see it potentially being, Versus them, you know, maybe yeah. we're at seven, eight, nine wins. I, I just, I, I, agree with you. They keep winning. We keep expecting them to lose. We've watched this team though. We've watched the quarterback play. I, I'm not, I'm okay. giving those other teams, you know, probably a good chance. They'll make the wild card, but I can see the bears falling just, you know, flat on their faces. And maybe that's the team we're competing with. If we're in the wild card race.
0: Guys, I successfully got you to talk about the playoffs. By the <laughs>
1: <laughs> you tricky dog, you
0: <laughs> Ryan, did you have one last point before we head out
2: yeah, I, I just kind of you know piggyback off Jerry's point. It might come down to Chicago and Detroit for another wild card spot, and you're really you're circling that date at the beginning of December and saying like that might be the pivotal game because we talked about it earlier, you did Jeremy about. Next week, they got the Rams, then it's the Saints, then it's the Titans, then it's the Vikings, then it's the Packers. That stretch of you know six or five games right there, if the Bears lose four of those games and they end up six and five, the Lions could be in a similar situation going into that December game.
0: Can't believe we went from Fire Patricia to potential playoff team in one week against you a
1: one-four Jaguars. You can't believe that? <laughs> It's that darn seventh spot, man. That extra spot got us all going crazy. That one spot could be ours. That one spot, man.
0: you never know. Well, thank you all for joining us for the PODcast. Make sure you're subscribed. Leave a review. If you're on Twitch, subscribe. Get notifications every time we go live by following us. If you're on YouTube, hit the like button. All that fun stuff. We'll be back on Wednesday night previewing that Atlanta Falcons game with a special guest. So stick around. Thank you for participating. Thank you to our two guests, Jerry Mallory, Ryan Matthews. I'm Jeremy Reisman. It's chaos. Be kind. We'll see you next week.